Good morning. My name is Mikey. I am the associate pastor here, if you don't know me, and I'm just glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, like Pastor Robert said, we are so excited that you are here. If you're watching online, um, you're weak. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We are glad that you're here as well. Uh, I know you lost that hour of sleep and it's cold. We get it, but we're here. No, I'm just kidding. We love you. We're glad that you're here. Um, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about what we get to, what I get to preach and the, the, the series that we are going to go into over the next few weeks. But before I get to that, I've got a couple of a quick announcements. Is one, um, we are partnering this year in August. We are partnering with an international missions organization called Inca Link. Um, and we, what their heart is, is they want to reach the 300 million youth of Latin America. And so that's what their mission is. And we're going to partner with them this August. And we're going to send some people to partner with their team in Costa Rica. And we're going to spend time there just ministering to, to the teens and the kids and, and the families there and just trying to do what we can to just share the gospel with them. But, but next week... Um, Luke is one of their representatives on this uh, on state side, kind of. He's one of the guys that just is in charge of Inca Link on this side. And what he's going to do is he's going to come next week, and he's going to be up here with Pastor John Mark and just sharing the heart of the mission and the ministry. And, um, and then right after that, we're going to have an interest meeting. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, you're interested in joining with us and coming, coming with us, plan on being here next week. Uh, plan on being here for the service, but then also staying for an extra 30 minutes after service and just listening to the heart and getting all the logistics and all the details about what we're going to be doing in August. And so I hope that's you. I hope you're excited about that. I'm excited. I'm going. So come on with me. Um, next thing is um, we are also, because we love our city, is we're going to partner with uh, the Dream Center. And what they're doing this year for Easter is they're giving away baskets. They want to give away 300 baskets to kids in, our, um, in their neighborhood. And so we want to partner with them. And so you can help us with that by bringing those pre-wrapped um, Easter baskets. If you want to bring those next Sunday, that'd be great. We're going to get as many as we can, and we're just going to ship them off to Dream Center and let them uh, hand them out. But we would love for you to partner with us. You can do that by bringing them to Sunday next to church Good. I talk for a living. We are going to do that next Sunday. You can bring the basket next Sunday to church. You got it. All right. We are jumping into a, um, a new sermon series about the book of Jonah. Um, we have entitled this series Jonah. Um, I came up with that. I am the creative team. Um, but we are going to be spending the next month going chapter by chapter. Today, we're actually going to go verse by verse, and we're going to just learn about Jonah, and we're going to see how it can impact our life today. I know a lot of us have, um, have heard this story, have heard about Jonah, and have heard, um, you know, he got swallowed by a whale, and he was probably running from God or something, and he fell in or jumped in or was thrown into the water, and a whale swallowed him. But what I want to do before we get started is I want to just kind of tell a little bit about who, jo- who Jonah is. Um, I love it because Jonah is, um, Jonah is a prophet. So Jonah is a prophet to this uh, country of Israel. Um, and so he was a prophet from, for about 40 years to this country. And, 
And this story about him is one that the Hebrew people would read every single year on the Day of Atonement. Um, really what that means is that the day of celebration that, that God atoned, that God forgave their sins, they would read this story out loud to the people, like kind of like this. And so they would all get together and they would read this story about Jonah. And then at the end of the book, what they would do, which I think is kind of weird and we're not going to do it today, but what they would do is they would all in unison say, I am Jonah. And the reason why they did that is because um, Jonah was known as the reluctant prophet, meaning that his story is our story. His story is my story. His story is actually the story that is cascaded all throughout the Bible. And that his story is simply this. It's, chase, it's running and chasing. Simply put, God calls Jonah. Jonah runs. God pursues or God chases Jonah, Jonah surrenders. And that's the story of the Bible. It's, it's, it's so often portrayed that when we run, when we run from God, it is, it's sin. And when God chases us, it's grace. And so it's the story, the whole book of Jonah is about God, um, Jonah running and God pursuing. Go, Jonah running again and God pursuing. And so these Hebrews, they would say, I am Jonah. Every year, kind of as a, a reminder that we are all guilty of this sin. And so, so this morning, um, I'm going to just read. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Jonah 1. Um, you thought it was going to be the whole book? No, just the whole chapter 1. And, and if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up. It's, it's one of the minor prophets. It's hard to find. It's probably like 800 or 900 in your book, um, page number. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And it's this. It says this, Jonah 1, chapter 1. And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up against me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so, so, even so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled cargo that was in the ship into it to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And so the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps your God will hear and give thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that, we may, so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. I do not like that word. More and more rough. <laughs> he said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. 
For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous uh, against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they picked Jonah up, hurled him in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, and then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Amen. That's the story of Jonah. We've probably all heard this story. Um, like I said, we, we, we probably... If, who, who actually was in a school where you, or in a, in a Bible, Bible school or Sunday school where you actually had felt bored and you kind of put the, the figures up there and the, just anyone? I wasn't. I grew up, I grew up uh, going to church twice a year and that was about it. And so I, I missed those. I missed the Jonah days but, or where they would kind of stick the felt the cre- creatures, characters up on the board. And I thought that'd be fun. I don't know. I just was thinking about that and I kept hearing people talk about it and I was like, I, wish, I wonder what that was like. Anyways, but we've all heard the story of Jonah. Or we, maybe, maybe you haven't. This is the first time. But many of us have heard the story. But what I want to do is I want to kind of dive in a little bit more. And like I said before, Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet to this nation from 793 B.C. to 753 B.C. And so for 40 years, Jonah was a prophet. He was a man of God. He was, he was someone that people would look to and, and, um, and they would expect him to be a man of God. And um, and yet Jonah had a great sin. Um, and, and I'm just going to read through the first verse again in Jonah 1, 2. And it says that God is, God is calling to Jonah. God's calling to Jonah and saying, Jonah, go to this great city. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And I love right here where, where God actually says, arise and go to that great city, because we hear great city, and we think that that means it's a big city, which it does. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful city, which it is. It's, it's a city with a lot of people, which it is. But the Hebrew word great there is all of those things, and also it is of great importance to the speaker, meaning that whoever is speaking this, there's a great importance to what he's saying. And so God is saying this city of Nineveh as as, as what we'll find out in a second, as, as broken and, 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 and horrible and, and, and evil and mean, they are still of great importance to me. And so I love that even in the midst of this story about, upon a story of Jonah fleeing and running from God, this city is also someone that God is pursuing. That God's saying, no, that city is still of great importance to me. And so I'm actually sending you there because I'm chasing after them as well. And so I love this story, how it continues on. In verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And so when we read this, we have to understand that it's kind of a humor, like the, the way that this book is written, it's, it's humorous, is that the, the, the Hebrew language is using play on words, and so it's like God says, Jonah, arise and go. And so Jonah arose and went this way. And so it's like, it's like, it's supposed to be like this humorous thing where God's, it's, it's a deliberate thing that God's calling Jonah to this. And Jonah is saying, I know what you're calling to me and I'm, I'm gonna flee the other way. He's saying, I'm, I'm calling you to go east to, to Nineveh and Jonah arises and goes west 
to Tarshish. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm deliberately moving away. And so that's important for us to know because I think that for us that there is a reality that we all run from God. Me included. Even the guy with the mic on. We, we all run from God. We all have this sin. We all have this sin in us that we run from God. And, and, and I think that for me, for so long, I would look at Jonah and I'd be like, Jonah, what are you doing, bro? Like, God is literally calling to you to go here and you're running in the opposite direction. But we got to know something about Nineveh. Nineveh is, is the capital of Assyria. Assyria is, is the greatest enemy to Israel. Um, like I said, just a little bit of history, but it's, it, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, which Assyria is the greatest enemy to Israel. And so what God is calling Jonah to is not a small task. It's not just saying, hey, Mikey, I want you to talk to your barista. And I'm like, nah, that's kind of a kind of embarrassing. I'm not going to talk to my barista. No, God is calling Jonah to his greatest enemy. And he's saying, now I want you to go and I want you to call out against them. It's not just to come, go in there and try to have some, some uh, you know, creative ways to clean up the city. No, he's saying, I want you to go and I want you to call out against them because their evil has come up against me. And so what God's calling Jonah to, before we throw, um, we throw Jonah out, <laughs> to get it, throw him out of the boat. Anyways, but before we, we get mad at Jonah, we understand that the, what, what God is calling Jonah to is not just dangerous. It's not just um, uncomfortable. It's not just inconvenient, but it's actually a suicide mission. That God's saying, Jonah, you're an Israelite. You are a Hebrew. You are a prophet to this country. I want you to go into the enemy's land, and I want you to preach there. And so that what, what God's calling him to is not just an easy task. It's, it's an impossible task. It's a, it's a scary task. It's a dangerous task. And I remember... Um, this past January, we do something every January called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And um, this is a time where we, uh, we pray and fast for 21 days. And, and the Friday night um, worship service that we had, uh, Pastor John Mark uh, got up and he said um, he was kind of praying for our city, praying for our church, praying for each of us. And, and, I, and I felt it because he prayed, he prayed something that I remember. And he said, God is asking you to do something this year, 2022, that you're scared of. God is, God is calling you to, I wasn't talking to me, he was talking to everyone. He's saying, God's calling us to something bigger, bigger than what we are, bigger than who we are. And so this morning, I want us to hear that God is calling you. He's saying to you by name, he's saying, arise and go. He's saying, arise, and, and maybe it's arise and forgive. Maybe it's arise and start the business. Maybe it's arise and for, um, talk to those family members that you haven't talked to in decades. Maybe it's a rise and get plugged in, get back into the game. I think God's calling each one of us. Maybe it's a rise and say, hey, don't take so lightly your walk with Jesus this year. 2022 can be completely different and say, hey, go all in on your relationship with Jesus this year. He's saying, arise, arise, arise. And I think we can look and we can see that just like Jonah, it's real easy for us to go, nope, I'm out. I'll do that next year. What I want us to remember this morning, I'm asking two questions of us today. Two questions of us today, because I think that the reality is, is that we all run. Like I said, we all run. 
That's, there's no question there that we all do. We all run from God. We all sin. We all have struggles. We all have things in our life that, that God's calling us to, and we all run. The question for us this morning is, is this, and I think it's one that can help us um, kind of fight back against this, but the first question is, is how do I run? How do you run? If God's calling you to something, God's calling you into something this year, how do you run? There's many ways that we can run. I mean, there is endless, endless ways that we can sin and we can run. Uh, I just want to name off a couple that as I thought about them, these are things that I've, I've been guilty of or my friends or I know people I know have been guilty of. These are things that I know that ways we can run is, is that we keep people at a distance. COVID, COVID jacked us up to where we keep people at a distance, not just emotionally and relationally, but now physically. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that is, there is an element there that, that the enemy is trying to get in and just say, hey, keep, keep, keep rolling with that. Keep rolling with that. Keep, keep people at a distance. Keep yourself isolated. Don't, don't get too involved because you've been hurt. Don't get too involved because it's, it's hard. It's, it's tough. We, we keep people at a distance. We keep ourselves isolated. We give in to pleasure. We just give in to just pleasure after pleasure. We treat God as a supplement to our lives and not the main focus of our life. Ways that we can run. This, one's, this one is, is, is hard for me, but we don't experience the presence of God and yet we think that's normal. Do you know what I'm saying? Ways that we can run from God is we can just not experience his presence and we just think that's normal. And we're like, ah, that's just the way I am. It's just my personality. No, God created us to be in relationship with him and have, a pres- have, a, have an intimate, intimate knowledge and a relationship and a presence. And, and we, we fight and we search and we go after his presence. But so often we run by just thinking, ah, that's not normal. Or we consume church but not live as the church. We see dead people. We see spiritually dead people walking all around our city and we do nothing. We prefer our presence. We prefer our preferences over people. And we would rather be right than holy. And again, I'm not saying this in an angry way. I'm not saying this in a, in a I'm saying this in a, I'm there too. I'm Jonah. I'm with you. I am, I am, I'm there. But what I want to do is I want to get us to get past that and say, okay, that's where I've been. That's where we've been. Okay, how do I run is the first question. How do you run? It's important for us to know that. Jonah 1, 4, I'm sorry, before we get to that, but when we run, this isn't the second question. This is just another one. Bonus question. Um, but when we run, what does God do? When we run, God chases. Jonah 1, verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. He sends a great storm. God chases Jonah by sending a great storm. And that's not God's anger, but that's more of a, if you see a little child running to the highway and they're going to go play in the highway, you don't just go, hey, try to run faster. Maybe you'll get there quicker. No, we run after that child and we tackle that child if we have to. Because we know that if that child gets to the highway, it's going to lead to its destruction. And God sees that Jonah is running and fleeing and and trying to get away. And, And what God does in his mercy and in his love is he sends a storm He sends a storm to try to stop Jonah, get his attention and be like, hey, if you keep going and you keep running from my presence, 
then you're gonna lead to your destruction. You're gonna miss out on what I have for you. And so God's mercy, in God's mercy, he sends a storm. Just like it would be wicked for a parent to see their kid headed towards a busy highway and do nothing, it would be wicked for God to just see Jonah running and do nothing. And Jonah, Jonah's response is 1-5. But Jonah, our boy Jonah, had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So God calls Jonah. Jonah runs. God chases Jonah. What does Jonah do? Runs again. He goes down into the bottom of the boat. He goes down into the bottom of the ship, and he falls asleep. He numbs himself out to what's going on in the world. The world above him is a, a huge storm, so big of a storm that ship, the the, the uh, mariners, is that what they called them? Yeah, the mariners, the fishermen, the, the sailors, they were so, they, it was such a big storm that they were scared. It was such a big storm that the boat was scared. Did y'all hear when I said the boat was scared? I said the boat threatened to break up. It's never given, that's just weird. But it was, it was that big of a storm that the, wor- that, the, that the world around Jonah was going crazy. Absolutely bonkers, so much so that the secular sailors on top of the board, on top of the boat were saying, we got to cry out to someone. We got to cry out to some God somewhere and do something because this is scaring me. And what is Jonah doing? Is Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat, numbing himself out? And I think, again, another way we can run is we can numb ourselves. We're in the most addicted culture in the history of the world that there are more opportunities and there are more options for things for us to be addicted to, to numb ourselves out from, from the world. And I'm not just talking sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, I mean, there's a lot more of what's going on in our world. I, I, I did a little research on this, that, that you may know this, but there's, there's a dopamine hit that happens every single time we get a like on our Facebook or social media page. That it's a, it's a hit. It's a, it's, a, it's a hit that we're just like, ooh, that feels good. And then when, as we get more and more and more, it, we need more and more and more. That there is an information overload that happens when we scroll social media. Do you know that? That there is an actual an information overload that when we're sitting there scrolling, have you ever, and, and I'm guilty of this, but who's ever like, and you don't have to raise your hand, um, but who knows someone? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but who, who has ever been scrolling social media and realized, oh my gosh, it's been 45 minutes and I'm just scrolling and I have no idea what I'm looking at. I have no idea what's happening. There was a study done that what's happening is is that there's an information overload that actually affects your, I wanna get this right, it impacts and affects your motivational system in your brain to where it is actually, it is numbing you out to the world because there's just an information overload that's happening. That we would rather numb and feel that uh, the University of Virginia, they did a study um, on this in, in a similar way, and that they had their participants, and what they did is they were testing whether a participant would rather feel some level of either um, physical or um, emotional pain versus spending time with their own personal thoughts. And they said over, almost half of the participants would rather feel pain either emotionally or physically, then deal with their own thoughts. Our culture is a culture that we numb ourselves out, that we are running away from God, the author and perfecter and, and, and beauty of life, 
by just running, just like, Nona, just like Jonah is running and just going to the bottom of his boat and numbing himself out. And we do this. We do this. And Jonah 1.6 shows us that God doesn't give up on Jonah then. God doesn't give up on you now. That wherever we are, wherever you are, wherever I am, God still says, hey, I've seen you run over and over. I've seen you run away from me, but I'm not giving up on you. Jonah 1.6 says, and then the captain, the captain of the boat came and said to Jonah, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call on your God, and perhaps your God will give us thought, will give thought to us that we may not perish. I love it. God uses a pagan sailor to get Jonah's attention. Isn't that funny? God uses anything he wants. God can use anything he wants to get our attention. And in this story, if you look at it, um, it's fascinating that, that everything in the story actually obeys God. The winds obey God. The storm obeys God. The fish obeyed God. Even the pagan captain obeyed God. The only one that didn't was the man of God. And yet, God doesn't give up on him. God doesn't give up on him, and God doesn't give up on you, and God doesn't give up on me. My prayer for us this morning is, is that, that right now, that we realize how is it that we run? How do we run? If we all run, and we're all guilty, and we're all Jonah, then how do you run this morning? What does that look like for you this morning? And then the second question is, is how do we stop running? How do we stop running? I've got two things. Um, might mess up some people's brains. I don't have three points like Pastor John Mark. I just have two points. I'm a little simpler. Um, two points um, on how we stop running. And the first one is this. Face God. Face God. Jonah 1.8 says, The sailors asked Jonah, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And Jonah responded in verse 9, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, What have you done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told him. What do we do when we realize that we've been running from God as we face God? We face God. We admit to God where we have been. We admit to God what we have been doing. We admit to God who we are. We see ourselves um, as Jonah. And we say, hey, here is where I've been. Here is what I've been doing. Here, I'm here. And this is one of the scariest things for us to do. Is that we think that, we think that if we tell God that all the things that we've been or all the things that we've, where we've been, all, uh, we, we, we have this fear that God's going to be like, yeah, gotcha. And now he's going to be angry. But can I tell you something this morning? Maybe this is encouraging. Maybe this is scary. As a child, this was scary to me. But uh, now it's encouraging. Um, God already knows. God already knows. He already sees you. He sees everything about you. He sees every single detail, every nook and cranny of your life. He sees it and he knows it. And so when we, when we turn and we face God and we admit to God, we are not doing that to inform God. We are doing that to release us. Does that make sense? We, when we turn and we face God and we see God and we're saying, hey, here's who I am. Jonah says, I am a Hebrew. I, am a, I fear the Lord of the sea, and yet I'm on the sea. Crazy. 
but we see God and we face him and we say, here's who I am. Here's me. And we stop running. We turn and we see him. The, the Bible uses it, the word repentance. Repentance. The word repentance is to turn and look again at Jesus. To turn and look again at God. To turn and see him differently. So much so that that changes who we were. It does, it's not you fix yourself, you change yourself, you change your ways, you make yourself all pretty and pristine, and then you come to God. It's, a, it's in the midst of it. You turn and you face God. Who likes horror movies in here? Anyone like horror movies? Yeah, I hate them too. Um, I, I hate horror movies. Um, here's why. Uh, one, the plot is always poor. It's always bad. Um, it's never a good storyline. Two, the acting is usually horrible, but if it's good, then it scares me more, and so that's a, that's a lose-lose. Um, it's either bad acting or it scares me more, and both of them I don't like. And so I, I hate horror movies, um, but here's, the, here's what I'm going to say. The, the premise to a lot of horror movies, one of the most famous ones, is that there is a bad guy or a creature or a disease or something that's coming after the main character, Right? And we think so often that this is the story of God. Some people in here believe that, that the story of God is this horror story where he's coming after us to, to, to destroy us. Can I tell you this morning that God's response to us facing him is this other word called grace, upon grace, upon grace. That when we turn and we face God, when we've, we've been running for days, hours, decades, whatever, we, and we stop and we turn and we face him, his response to us every single time is grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. I love it. And at the end of the story, at the end of the story um, in verse 117, um, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is not God's anger, but this is God's rescue for Jonah. This isn't God's anger or punishment or anything like that to Jonah responding, but this is God's rescue to him. That he's saying, I want to rescue you from where you've been and I'm going to pull you out. And so those fish is actually a, a term of rescue. One of the greatest lies the enemy is wanting to convince us, us is, is that God is angry at us because you've been, too, you've been gone for too long, you've been bad for too long, and now there's no coming back. That is an absolute lie from the pit of hell that God has given you grace. He wants to give you grace upon grace. Number two, last thing. The first one is we face God. The second is, is we face community. We face community. And community is unfortunately, um, for churches and outside of churches, it's, unfortunately it's a buzzword. It's this word that we hear all the time. What we hear, it's, it's just kind of a buzzword that we're like, yeah, get in community. Come on, we want you in community. Um, which is heartbreaking because what's going to keep us, what's going to stop us from running whenever we stop and we face God and then we decide, you know what, I want to run again. What's going to stop us is community. It's not going to be great preaching. It's not going to be great worship. Those things are good, and those are supplements. But what's going to keep us from running again is community and being in community and facing community and, and seeing it. Jonah 1.3, um, I love it, and I've, never, I've preached Jonah before, and I've never noticed this. But Jonah 1.3, I'm going to go back a few verses and say, it is, 
Jonah is fleeing from God. We, we, we heard that. So Jonah 1.3. But Jonah rose and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa to find a boat going to Tarshish. And then in verse 10. And for the men knew he was running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Here's the picture is, is that Jonah isn't just running from God. Jonah is actually running from his community. Do you notice that? Because he goes down to Joppa. He doesn't stay where he was. He doesn't stay. He's a prophet. He's a prophet in his, in his country. He would have had people that were around him that knew him, that were aware of him. But he was able to go to Joppa and not only that, but find a boat that didn't even know what his job was. They didn't even know what his, 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 uh, how he made money. He didn't know, they didn't even know what religion he was. They were like, ah, we don't even know what, what people are you from? He was able to find a group of people that were saying, hey, come aboard where we're going. We don't care anything about you. We don't actually even know you, but come on aboard and we're going to go this way. And so many of us, what we've done, what COVID has happened, what we've done is we've run from the church. And I'm not talking about just Sunday morning church. I'm talking about community, the community that happens all week long in church. We've run from people. We've run from community. And we have just either found ourselves isolated or we have found ourselves just surrounded by people that just don't care and will let us do whatever we want. And Jonah has found himself on this boat that they, they I mean, think about this. Like <laughs> Jonah got on the boat and they're like, well, where are you headed? And he's like, I'm Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. They're like, cool, come on. You know, they're like, we don't care. Up until the storm happened. And then the storm happened and they're like, whoa, he wasn't joking. And so what we do is we face community. So many people in Hollywood are lonely and depressed because everyone knows who they are, but nobody knows them. What's happening to us is that, that we, are, we are so well known. The word friend is one of the most watered down words now because of social, social media. I've got 7,000 friends on Facebook, but how many of them know me? Friend now so often becomes, community becomes, friend becomes, they, they, they watch your social media, they follow you, they give you a thumbs up like, they, they agree with you, all these things, and, and that's, what, that's what it becomes. How many know that there's a difference between community and clubs? I think there's so many Jesus clubs that are happening that, that we spend time with each other, but we don't ever get deep into it. And so we just spend time as a club and no one actually ever know each other. My, my, my heart for us is not that, not that we just get around people, but my heart for us is that we get in community with people. We get in deep community with people. Because I think that's when, that's when life change happens. I've been in church um, for a long time. I've been in church leadership for a long time. And I know that for me, I've been in a lot of Jesus clubs. A lot of clubs that I've hung out with people. I've hung out with guys for years. Every week, every day, whatever it is. And then I realized a couple years in, I, didn't know, I have no idea who they were. No idea who they were. But what we're talking about this morning is we want to face Community. We want to get into real community. And I want, to, I want to give us a couple things that I just um, affectionately called the community test. But who remembers, um, who remembers the stand-up routine, uh, You Might Be a Redneck If? Anybody remember that with Jeff Foxworthy? If you don't, it's, 
It's 90s comedy. I don't know. Take it or leave it. Um, it's funny, but basically the premise was is that this comedian would say, you might be a redneck if, and they would give this sentence about, like, if you're a redneck or not. And if you did, if you were, then you are. Um, I don't know. I took it as, you might be in community if. <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, but, and, and take it or leave it, but this is, these, are, these are a few things that I um, have noticed in my time of what community truly is versus what clubs are. And so my heart for us this morning is, is that we get into community. And so here, take these, write them down if you want, but um, you might be in community if someone knows you more than you naturally want them to. Here's what I mean is, is that there is a natural um, comfortability that we have to let people in, right? That there is a place that we are naturally comfortable with, but there is also a place where community begins to happen, where, where that natural comfortability begins to, begins to be, to be uh, challenged, to where we begin to get deeper, we begin to get into the things that we don't actually want to talk about. I would love to talk about baseball with anyone for as long as possible, but that's, that's comfortable for me. But when we talk about who I really am, when we get into what I'm really struggling with, we get into how I'm treating my family or what I'm doing, you know, then it becomes hard. And so you might be in community if, if someone knows you more than you naturally want them to. And these go both ways, that you know them more than they actually not want you to. Uh, the next one is, is you might be in community if uh, someone, there it is. Someone in your life will take a call from you at any time of the day, right? A text, a call. Um, so often we have certain people in our lives that this is what I call them for, this is what I text them for. But, but I, want us to, I want to push and say, hey, there's a way that we can get to know people in it. And it could be that we call them in the middle of the night. Do you have those people in your life? The next one, I'm going to go through these quicker. Um, the next one is you might be in community if someone knows, someone knows what God is calling you to. If you are a Christian in here today, my hope for you is, is to get into community where people know what God's calling you to. Because there's gonna be those moments, there's gonna be those times when you get into that place to where you can't go any further and you need that community to continue to push you on. Does someone in your life, do you know what God's calling you to? And does someone else know what God's calling you to or God's call on your life is? Because we, we need community to know that. The next one is, is that someone in your life is praying for specific things in your life and they follow up about them. That it's not just a, yeah, I'll pray for that, brother. But no, it's a, I'm praying for that and I'm, I'm calling you on Wednesday and we're going to find out on Wednesday what happens. We're going to keep praying. We're going we're gonna to press in together. We're going we're gonna to do this together. Next one is, is that someone, you might be in a community of someone may think differently or disagree with you and you still have their ear, or they still have your ear. And so often what happens in community or what happens in clubs is that we, we disagree with someone and, and they, we don't see eye to eye, and so we just bail. We're like, ah, that's not gonna work out. But what happens if we stick around? What happens if we face community? What happens if we sit in that discomfort? What, what happens if we sit in that place of disagreement and we say, hey, but we're gonna step in, we're gonna fight for this. We're going to keep going even though we disagree, even though we, we don't see eye to eye on every little thing. And so my, my, my prayer for us this morning is, is that we see how it is that we run from God and then we face community. Jonah, I'm going to close it up with this, is that Jonah, 
1, 11 through 12 is, is what shall we do? What shall we do to you? The men say to him, that the sea may quiet down for us and the sea may grow more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Verse 15, and so the men picked Jonah up and threw him in the sea. I find it very interesting that Jonah needed them to throw him in. Again, I could be digging here. I don't know, but I just thought I was just, my mind immediately went to Jonah. Why didn't you just say, guys, I know it's bad. Watch. And then just jump. Um, why didn't he do that? He said, no, I need you to pick me up and throw me in. I think two things could be happening. One, the structure of the boat was just too high. He just physically could not get over the rail and he needed them to throw him in, maybe. Or maybe it was that he's like, that, that sea is going to kill me. And he got scared. And he's like, I need you because I emotionally cannot do this. This is community. This is community saying, hey, I know what God's call on your life is. I know where he's calling you to. And I know it looks hard. I know it looks difficult, but we're here with you. We're going to push you on. We're going to fight for you. We're going to fight with you. It's Moses and Aaron where Aaron is holding up Moses' arms because Aaron knows that Moses' arms are getting tired. We face community. We get into community. We fight for community. We won't ever ever accidentally fall into it. We never just fall into community. We never fall into depth of relationship. We never, we never, it just doesn't happen. We're not going to just trip and stumble into it. It's going to be an intentional thing that we have to fight for. My prayer is, I just feel like I need to say this to the guys real quick. I'm sorry. Men, just for one second. I know it's hard. I am one. I'm a man. I, I get it. I know it's hard to find community. I know it's hard to get plugged in. I know it's hard to go deep. I know it's hard to share your feelings. I know it's hard to express what's actually going on. But can I tell you, we need you. We need you to find community. We need you to be deep into community with another guy that you are, you are strengthening each other. You are going deeper than you actually naturally want to go. We need you to be in community. We need you as a city. Your family needs you. Your, your, your kids need you. Your wife needs you. Your church needs you to find community. Needs you to get plugged in to other guys and challenging each other. Not just sitting around talking about the, the surface level stuff. That's easy. I did that for decades. Don't do that. Get into it and fight for it. Ladies, you guys are so much better at this, but we need you too. We need you to continue to fight for community, continue to show us, continue to build unity amongst one another. We need you in community. I'm gonna pray for us and, and that's it for me this morning. But I'm gonna pray for us and maybe this is you this morning that that you know that you've been running from Jesus. You've been running from God your whole life and you've never actually had that moment where you met with him. Right now, I want you to, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if that's you this morning, I want you to pray with me that you can stop running right now. You can stop running from Jesus. You can stop running from God right now. And you can turn and you can face him and you can receive the grace that he is anxiously waiting to give you. Jesus, I know that I've been running. I know that I've been, been, been fleeing and, and, and avoiding you. Jesus, I ask that you would, you would meet me in this moment right now. 
you would would speak to me. You would show me your grace right now. Lord, I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior. I want to trust you as my God today for the first time. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.